Y'all remember? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And we always say, no turning back, no turning back. If none go with me, you remember that? And we've kind of lost that uh some of that terminology about following Jesus. But as I began to study about this, and I felt the Lord say to me, it's time to get people back following me. I want them to follow me. I began to find out the dimensions of following Jesus that, uh, that are not always visible on the surface. Following Jesus is not just when you need something or you're, you need healing or you need deliverance or there's a horrible thing happening and you need comfort, that's coming to Jesus. But there's a difference in coming to Jesus and following Jesus. Following Jesus takes a totally different discipline in our lives than just coming to Jesus. And it's our life. It's. It's complicated sometimes because we get in responsibilities and we get busy in the midst of this day-to-day life. And it's easier than we think sometimes to lose Jesus or lose sight of him in our eyesight. You know, Jesus' own parents lost him. Do y'all remember that? When they were headed to Jerusalem, they, uh, they lost him. Now, they didn't just lose a child. Think about it. They lost the son of the living God. I mean, we're not just talking about any child here. They lost him because they presumed that he would be where they presumed he would be. And he wasn't where they presumed he would be. He wasn't out playing with the kids and he wasn't out on the playground because something was happening inside of Jesus at this time. And he, they, he wasn't at the exact place they expected him to be. That, that he would go to all those familiar places. Now, something's switching over in him, and he is found in the temple. Y'all remember that? Now, my children, my kids, don't ever listen to them if they're telling you a story about their childhood because it's usually not true. Or, you know, I know that perception is your own reality, but your perception can be wrong. Just say it. Mine's always right, but yours could be wrong. Your children, they, they embellish stories. Parents, y'all know what I'm saying? They will tell you that they got left at church all their life. And they got left under the pews and they woke up just screaming in terror because that's a bunch of baloney. They never got left at church all night. One time, one time. One time, one time, Hannah got left there, but there were dozens and hundreds of people still there. But I thought Randy was going to get her. He thought I was going to get her. And one, we had to send back and somebody brought her home, but no big deal, okay? But, but the way they tell it, oh, sweet Jesus. They, they're traumatized for life because they've been left. No, they, they've never been left there that much. But here's the thing. Here's many of us, the, this thing about following is, is that sometimes we lose track of Jesus. 
and we don't even realize it. We don't even realize the part of the equation of our life when you believe in him and you're among believers and somehow you lose track. Now, I have this GPS system as 99% of us do in here. And I use that navigational system all the time. I use it and it tells me what to do and sometimes they do good and sometimes they don't do so great. Now, Pastor, he doesn't ever because he is not going to listen to a woman telling him how to get anywhere. So we changed his voice thing to a man. He still won't listen to him. He wants you to show him the map. The old-fashioned way, show him the deal, and he'll send you his way. Of course, it's going to take a few hours longer. But, and, you know, that's I always say that's why the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because Moses would not ask for directions. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. I, that's all the women in the house. I know y'all know I'm telling the truth. So have, have you ever tried to follow someone are behind someone, and at first when you're in this convoy of cars, that the first thing the lead person will say was, follow me, right? Follow me, those two really important words. Well, you're going to a Jesus meeting, and what happens is they get in the car, and you're behind them following, but they've got their Jesus music on, going to a Jesus meeting, and they forget that they got Jesus people in the back, back there following them going to this Jesus meeting. And before you know it, you start off on this lonely or this nice little uh, back road. And there's only a few cars and all of them are different. And the car's out there in front of you and you can see. But all of a sudden, they forget. They put the pedal to the metal. And they get out on the freeway, and they're just going for Jesus to their Jesus meeting with all their Jesus music and all their Jesus friends. And their Jesus other friends in the back can't find them anymore. Y'all been there before? Well, I'm usually the one in the front doing that. So I, I, I usually find out about it later. But you, you uh, before you know it, when you get out on this busy street, you pull out on it. And you get lost, and you can't find the vehicle in amongst all the business and all the other cars and all the other situations. You know, it's a funny thing that happened. I have to take time to tell this quick story on my, my uh, cousin, Gary Marshall, who, Gary and Karen Marshall, pastor in Jasper, Texas, one of our churches there. And uh, Gary and Karen was following me with a bunch of ladies, and I was had a bunch of ladies going to a Jesus meeting and with our Jesus music on. And we're headed to this meeting in, that I was speaking at in Mississippi. And we stopped in Baton Rouge at this Cracker Barrel. Now, we stopped at the Cracker Barrel because it, uh, it's right off the freeway. And they've got enough, you know, and there's a place to purchase things. You've got to always have a store where you stop. So we stopped there. And the problem with it was there's all of this incredible, all this crazy construction going on, and you had to twist and turn to get back over there. And, and when you, so we ate, we got ready, and we're getting ready to uh, pull out. And I, my famous last words were, follow me. So they're following me. I'm in my SUV. What's that, that one? I, infinity. Yeah, a big infinity, and I'm 
got this charcoal SUV, and she's following me, no problem. She can send me a mile off. So she's following me. Well, what we with all this construction thing, she gets up on the freeway. I'm on the freeway, and she's following the SUV. She follows, and they get on their Jesus music, and we've got ours on. And a couple hours down the road, two and a half hours or so down the road, Greta Langley is sitting in the front seat, and she says, which she was the youth pastor at the time, Pastor Karen, can we pass that? There's the casino. Uh, uh, there, isn't that, haven't we been over this bridge? Seems like I remember this bridge. And Karen said, no, I see her car up there. There's the SUV up there. She said, no, I, I don't know, maybe not before you know it. They were crossing the Lake Charles Bridge. They were headed back the other direction. Two and a half hours, three hours. They are, they are hooking them behind the wrong vehicle. Just saying, perhaps, perhaps you've been following the wrong vehicle. Thinking it was Jesus and you find yourself going back the same direction you've already been. And going back through the same stuff you've already been through. Anybody following me yet? Yeah. The challenge I want to present to you today is are you following Jesus? Now, there is a, in this day of, in this day of high tech and IT equipment, uh, we have, we have this fetish, this unbelievable obsession with following. How many followers do you have? How many? There's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's Instagram, there's Periscope, there's all these things, that, that, and these Twitter things, I, I said something the other day, and I had to go back and look it up, because I was afraid I said the, a bad word, and I didn't even know if I said a bad word, but I said, you know, some of these people on Twitter are twitting stuff, they ain't nothing but a twit, because they cannot figure out what they need to say, and so I thought, oh, my Jesus, that sounds so bad. I went and looked it up. And you know what twit means? It means annoying. That's all it means, just saying. I, 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 I looked it up. And so I, we find that we, we've got all these people that, that are following. And what in the world are they following? I'm thinking this is craziness going on. But in this culture, following has been brought down to a pretty pitiful level. Just saying. The things that we're following are ridiculous. And, but we have this option, especially on Facebook. I guess Twitter. I'm not a Twitter. I'm not a twit. But I'm just saying. Uh, I, 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 I probably will at some point. So I'm not making fun of everybody. Just a few. And, and so here's the deal. We have these followers that, that are following us. And you get this opportunity. It's, it's like in this culture, it's just as quickly as you're following somebody, you can press a button and be follower, unfollower, defriend them. You know, if you don't like what they're saying, you can defriend them and then later come back in and put them back in or, you know. And I got to thinking about that and thought, oh, dear Lord, are we perhaps doing that in the church with you, dear Jesus? where we get to a place in our moving with him and following him that mm, we're not sure, you know, we're not sure today if we like the way he's taken us 
we don't like this road. This isn't the way we've always been. And, you know, we liked it out here, but I don't think I'm going to do it today because I really need to go and uh, I'm, I need to date that guy. You know, he's not going to church, but I'm going to defriend for a little bit and go do my thing. And I'll jump back in when I need to and be a follower again. I, I really could preach there, but y'all got the point, right? And, and so we can check in and out. And that's not following Jesus because what that is is, okay, baby, you go over here and you yoke yourself up with someone that isn't a believer. And when that falls into ruins and you get in trouble and you're heartbroken and things happen, then you friend back in and you're going to follow. That's not following. That's coming to Jesus when you need him. There's a difference. There's a different discipline in following. So I want us to look at the scripture and see what it says about this. Uh, I want you to turn with me to Matthew, the fourth chapter, the 18th verse. It's, it's unbelievable to, uh, to me that two words, just two words, changed 12 lives and ultimately has changed the course of the world just by two words. Jesus went to the synagogue as a young boy. He didn't ask anybody to follow him. He went into the desert. He didn't ask anybody to follow him. He didn't ask people to come around until he got himself in a place that he knew his destiny. He knew his calling. And he comes and, and he realized that they couldn't follow him yet. But now we're about to see him in a place where he knows it's his time has come. He's already been there, and he knows what the assignment is. And there's, some, there's two words here that are not flippant, and they're not casual. Jesus was trying to say, I need to get a group of people around me that when I say these two words, they don't have to have any more direction or instruction. They just say, yes, I will. I will do what you say. So this is where we find Jesus. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, what did he say? And I will make you fishers of men. And the next scripture says, they immediately begin to ask questions. And they said, wait a minute. Do we need to go back home and get our, our, our clothes and kiss our kids goodbye? Uh, excuse me, Peter said, do, do I need to carry a certain amount of money with me? And Andrew over here pops up and says, uh, uh, do you know where we're going to go next and what hotel we're going to stay in when we get there? And then they each are starting to ask these questions. Nah, does not happen. They only get two words. That's all the scripture provides, and I've been through every single translation I can find. I've been through every concordance known to man, and that's the only two words they get. Follow me. Because he had to have people that when he said, follow me, they would trust him. They would put their faith in him. They would know without a doubt that he knew where he was going and that he would get them safely to where they needed to be. So they didn't get all the questions. They simply had to just follow him. Now, sometimes when we follow Jesus, there's not a lot of information forthcoming, just saying. 
We don't always get all the details of what it's going to be. Abraham didn't know where he was going to go. He just began to follow. And he had to take his son up a mountain. He didn't know what was going to happen. Sometimes we don't get the entirety of the story before we step out in faith. We just have to trust to follow him. There comes a time in your life you've just got to trust him. I, I, I totally am in one of those places in my life right now where I can't see the end. I can't see anything. But all I know is I have to trust him and follow him. I, but but here, is, here is my key right here as we move through this scriptural text. We cannot afford to lose sight of him during this season. You've got to keep him in your vision, keep him in your heart, keep him in your in your mind. And I want to examine today in this next few moments as I've already begun how this thing goes with following Jesus. So let's move on. Some of you may have lost Jesus or at least lost sight of him. I don't mean you don't have him in your heart. I don't mean that you don't know who he is. I mean that you just have lost sight of where he is. Some of you may have gotten stuck on this journey and you can't find him. You don't know which way to go and you keep you keep hanging in and doing the same thing. Now you're not seeing him so closely. Well, I, I want to share this, these next few scriptures with you because I believe with all of my heart you're going to find yourself somewhere in this text. But here's the deal. The Right before Jesus gives these disciples, um, they are, they're on this, they're, they've been on the, the side, I mean on the bank, and they have been experiencing this incredible miracle. You remember the miracle of the 5,000? Actually, that was women and men, and then there were all the children, and then, the, then he breaks the bread and he feeds the five. Y'all know that story. Well, that's where we're taking up in Mark 4, 41, and I want you to read there with me. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the bread and broke the loaves. And I could talk about that. There's great connotation in how he did that. But then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces at the end. And that's what was left over of the bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Only the men. That didn't include the women and children. Now, the story is preceded that I want to go to and talk with you about and show you. Is this, is, this is the story that precedes the next story where I'm going to find some of you. And just hang in with me. You're going to find yourself in this next story. Because all the people came to see this miracle worker, Jesus. And all the followers, actually there were thousands of followers on the shore. It was an old happy day that day. Because the disciples are there and there's miracles, there's signs, there's wonders taking place. And there's always lots of people on the shore. I'm a, I'm a, girl, I'm a shore girl myself. I like all the, the miracles and the signs and the presence. And you can feel and you can experience because there's corporate anointing with lots of people around. And everybody sees the spectacular. 
secular, and it's easy to keep your eyes on Jesus, and you keep your eyes on the prize when you got so many people around encouraging you, and there's a synergy in the atmosphere and an excitement, and you can decide to follow Jesus. Something inside of your heart in the spectacular times says yes, but hold on a minute. Something very interesting is about to happen next. Go with me to Mark, the sixth chapter, and the 45th verse. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples. Which ones are the ones that said, when he said, follow me, they said yes. Okay. He said, get in the boat and go ahead of, to Bethesda. Bethsaida, I'm sorry. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, watch it. He doesn't get in the boat with them. Mm -mm. No, he goes up to the mountain to pray. But he gives them instruction to get in the boat. Now, these are the ones he's trusting to follow him. Jesus has disciples get in the boat, and immediately he goes to Bethesda. And he, I, I want you to understand something here. Oftentimes, we, of course, want to follow Jesus on the shore. All the things, all the good things are happening. But now things are different, and it's going to look different. He said, immediately, go get in the boat. Go get in the boat and go to the other side. And they could have said, uh -huh, wait a minute, Jesus. This was not what you told us. You're not getting in the boat with us? Why, look, if you're, you're so powerful, you just did this miracle, why don't you just throw us to the other side? Because you could do that. I mean, we wouldn't have to roll all the way over there. You know, I, 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 got, I got some grandkids like that, just saying, just throw us over there and don't make us do the work. And Jesus said, no, I want you to get in the boat, and if you're going to follow me, it's going to look different this time. It's going to look a lot different. And here's where a lot of us quit following. We get stuck. We don't mind following in the atmosphere of praise and worship and lots of excitement and zeal and miracles. And now Jesus is not so visual as he was before. But there is something that he is depending on. Watch this. Because now Jesus is trusting us to follow him. Let's put ourselves in this story. And he's saying, get in the boat and go to the other side. Now he's saying, look, I want you to follow, but this time I want you to follow instructions. My instructions are to go to the other side. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a good instruction follower. Just saying. I'm a very visual person. You show me a picture, I can, I can put it together and make things happen. Just give me a picture. But no, 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 no. Hannah, she's got to take me because she got this apartment. And we got to go to this from Switzerland place to get these items that are furniture and stuff. Or wherever that, you know, that I can't. Yeah, I don't want to say it. Mm -mm, no, we're not going to say it. I'm just saying. And I come back with these awesome things that I'm supposed to put together. And so we're supposed to follow. And we have this instru instruction booklet. But the thing is, I'm a picture follower, and I don't want to follow those instructions, but 
I want to make it. And so I'm making it look like it's supposed to look. But what I don't realize is when I get through, I've got 72 screws and 21 bolts left over. And and what you don't realize is behind the scenes in the instruction booklet, there's some things about, you know, that put the things together, that connect them, that cause them to stay together in tough situations when someone wants to knock it over. And so what happened to us is we got it done, then we had the stuff left over, and we could not, we, we could not get this roller on the end of this table. It wouldn't go in. We tried to drill a hole. We couldn't get it in. I finally, you get, you get some choices at this point. You get some choices. You can say, forget it. I'm not dealing with this anymore. You can say, I will never, ever go back to that store again as long as I live. Or you can say, I'm going to have to go get somebody, and they're going to have to finish my task. Well, I did all of the above, all of it. I did all the above. And I, I'm, so, I'm so frustrated at this point because pastor comes a week or so later, and it, the upside-down table is still sitting there with the legs on it. And he just says, Renee, you didn't have to use that. All you got to do, turn the top of this table over. There are the holes. You got it upside down. You, you, you know, put the deals in. Follow instructions. It's easy. Well, you know, we had some intimate fellowship right there, and I, I dealt with some issues in life. But oftentimes, we lose our way in following Jesus because now we got to follow instructions. Now we're at that place where, oh, you mean i got to go back to the book? Oh, I don't need another word because it's in the book? Oh, you mean, you mean for me to tithe? Oh, oh, excuse me. I, I, okay, and yeah, that's what I mean. Things like, think on these things, these things that are lovely, these things that are pure, these things that are of good report. It's in the book. I'm expecting you, if you follow me, I'm expecting you to follow my instructions. I'm expecting, and we've got the greatest instruction booklet in the world, but we throw it aside when we get to a place that it's going to have to be a little bit of work and go back. We want the visual. We want the, well, everything we can see and put our hands on, but it's getting out there. Now, oftentimes, we, we absolutely lose our way because this thing that is called the boat in Scripture, ladies and gentlemen, is always re- the boat always refers to the familiar. The boat is the way of life of what you know. Now, don't you have, don't you think for one second that Jesus gave instructions to go to the other side to people that had never been in a boat? That's where these guys came from. They were fishermen. That's where Jesus found them out by the sea. They knew how to get to the other side. He gave them instruction. He knew. But it's their familiar. It's in the busyness. It's in the laundry. It's in the mowing the yard. It's when life gets complicated. You got the kids here. It's nice and wonderful when the miracle signs and wonders. But can you follow Jesus when you get in the familiar and the mundane every single day? And it gets very monotonous and boring. And that's when he's saying, are you ready to follow me now? The disciples, when you get in the boat, what are you going to do then? They're wanting to know, did you go to, are you going to the mountain? It's, here's the deal. Jesus wanted them to make this test the first time 
he wanted them to understand that when you get in the boat, there's something about it. Now, I did this one other time. I just got this message in my spirit a few weeks ago, and I don't know how to row very well. And so I was sweeping more than I was rowing. I understand if I'm going to this side, I got to go this way, right? Now, hang on. I, I can figure this out for myself because y'all haven't read the instruction booklet. And so if I'm going to this side, I got to go like this. Is that right? That's exactly right. So, of course, I was doing the other way and I was going to that side. But now I got it right. Because one thing I found out, if you keep doing that, you'll find yourself way back there. So you got to go. So we're going to row, row, row your boat. This is what I heard in the middle of the night when the Lord was developing this message in me. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Y'all remember that? Merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. However, something is about to take place in this scripture. Because the 47th verse says, later that night, read with me. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake. Now, the middle of the lake, something about the middle of the lake, you lose a lot of followers in the middle of the lake. And something about the middle of the lake, that's where bad things can seemingly happen if they're going to happen. And it's kind of that midlife place. It's, you know, it's the midlife crisis kind of, you know, you, you, there's going to be an affair. It seems they pop up about that time. People do crazy things in the middle. I'm just saying, their hair goes orange and green, and you have people buying motorcycles that have never even ridden a, a bicycle, much less a motor. I mean, stupid things. Y'all know I'm talking. There's something about the middle. I, I researched all kinds of statistics about the middle. It's like the middle child syndrome. It's the middle of the life. Your kids are precious. You get them into the teenage years in the middle of, oh, Lord Jesus. It seems like all hell wants to break loose in the middle. That's exactly, at the beginning, it's excitement. At the end, there's going to be a new dimension. There's going to be a graduation. There's going to be such an absolute, incredible, just knowing and affirmation that you've arrived. But now, where are you? In the middle. Anybody ever got stuck in the middle? Uh, if you had never gotten stuck in the middle, you hadn't followed Jesus very long, is all I'm saying. And somewhere in, it, in the middle of the, of, the, of the following Jesus, it's the place, ladies and gentlemen, where we get overwhelmed with life. It's the place where you're just in the middle raising your kids and the enemy gets so busy and hates what you're doing because he knows. Here's the deal. You're stuck right in the middle. And often the Bible says in the evening came and they got in the middle and they're in the middle of two shores. And they're way out there in the middle. And now the spectacular isn't necessarily happening. But look what it says in the NASB version. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, where he himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea. Now watch this next. We're just going to break it down. He was alone on the land. 
but seeing them. Here's where we get in the middle, and he saw them. He didn't think that we get people, and I've been in this same place myself. I'm stuck in the middle. Things aren't going so good. And this is the place where we check out and, and we don't want to follow for a while. This is the place where we say, he's not watching. You know, he's not out here with us right now. I'll get back in when I can see him and I can feel him and all the things are getting good and I get to that. But right now, I'm out here in the middle and I'm going to kind of check out a little bit. This is where he's watching you pray. This is where you check out of your prayer life a little bit. And uh, this is where you don't even have to pay tithes right here because you're going through some tough times. And, you know, the finances aren't important right now because he, he isn't watching anyway. Don't ever think that he doesn't know exactly where we are at all times in our lives. And this is our testing time. This is our time to see. And so he's out there in the middle. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where you build your testimony. This is where your victory comes. It doesn't come at the end. It comes in the middle. It comes in the middle when you want to quit. You want to give up. The 48th verse, it gets tougher. Look at this. It says, seeing them straining at the oars. Do you think you're out here straining and Jesus doesn't see you? He's right there. He sees every step. And they're straining at the oars. And that's where so many people get so messed up in their life. And they get so bogged down. And they get so weary and well-doing. And they're straining and straining. They're thinking, where in the world is Jesus? you got to remember, he's giving you instructions. He sees you. He's right there. He's egging you on. He's believing in you. And they're straining. Now, no one's patting you on the back now. No one's giving you any affirmation. No one's telling you how good you are right now. You're just out here straining. Do you think for one second the next verse is going to tell you what happens in your life? Do you think for one second the enemy is going to sit down and play dead now? Oh, no. He's got you where he wants you. You're not over there on the shore where all the people can help you. And Jesus is invisible in sight. You're stuck out here in the middle of the night, in the middle of the lake. Ain't very many people around, and he's not going to just lay down and play dead. He's going to go for the juggler. It isn't just straining, but look what it says. It says he was straining at the oars for the winds were against them. The winds. Have you ever felt like you're just, just in the middle of life? You're stuck out here and just about when you think you can't make it anymore, you go down you barely can get your paddle back in the water before a gush of wind knocks you across the boat. And the world has rocked your boat. The whole life of just being stuck in the middle has rocked your world. And you're wondering, what am I doing? Why am I even doing this? And for some of us, this is the place that we forget that the enemy is doing everything in his power to make sure that you throw your oar down and you quit and you go back. He don't want necessarily, you don't have to die just so you go back and start over again. Just give up. Just give up. And so they're out there in the middle. And right now, he may, it seems like that he would show up 
But he doesn't show up at that moment. In fact, the scripture goes on to say they're out there straining in the middle. You don't have to watch out for your company here. You're straining against the wind. This is where, ladies and gentlemen, you start reviewing your options. This is where my marriage was really nice when he was taking me on dates and paying for it. But now we're out here in the middle of this marriage and it ain't looking so good right now. This is where that that day-to-day grind to finish what you start. This isn't, young person, this isn't the place where you give up. You know, where uh, this is the place I just need to go and find somebody because I'm 30-something years now, and I need a man in my life. So I'm going to kind of go find one. I'm going to check out, and I'll get back and find him on the shore. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. This is the place that there's more than wind. Just hang on. There's more than, than the straining. There's something that takes place out here in the middle of my life, in the middle of the mundane, in the middle of the fight just to keep my head above water. There's something that takes place. And here's what it says. Somewhere immediately, uh, Jesus had his disciples get in the boat, and then the 48th verse, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them, at about the first watch of the night. Are y'all reading with me? Uh-uh. It, my scripture says at the fourth watch of the night. See, the deal is, some of us are saying, why didn't he come? This is when I needed him the most. And he's saying, I've got you. I've got you. All you got to do is stay plugged in to my instructions. Do what I said. Keep swimming. Keep row. Keep row, row, row your boat. Keep on pushing because there's something good just about to happen. And he said the fourth hour of the night, he came. Now, here it's not the first hour. And he was about to pass them by. No intention to help them. He has no intention to help them at this point. Jesus, something happened in the middle of all this. This is the deal, ladies and gentlemen. If you decide that you're going to give it your shot and you're going to follow Jesus, at some point you're going to get stuck in the middle of life. You're going to get out here, and I see people right now. I'm watching you by the Spirit, and I know you're plugged in to some place in your life you've been here. But here's the deal. It's not all just about straining. It's not all just about the mundane. It's not all just about the winds coming against you. It's not all just about that Jesus or or the servant of Jesus doesn't show up at, at 12, 1, 2. But it's something else. Here's the deal. If you make a decision that you're going to follow Jesus, there is a miracle in the middle of the lake. There's a miracle that's about to take place in the middle of the lake. Here, here's the thing. There's some shore miracles, and there's some exciting finished miracles, but those that take place in the middle of the lake, those are the ones that keep you going for life because those, there's some people that the shore, the shore followers, they don't get to see Jesus in his water walking shoes. They don't get to see that aspect of Jesus. They don't get to see Jesus 
walking on water. Now, I know what you're about to say. Well, Peter's the only one that got out of the boat. For this message today, I don't care. The main problem thing I see is there were 12 of them that saw him. There were 12 of them that experienced the water walk in Jesus. Others had experienced him opening up eyes and, and multiplying. But now they're getting to see a miracle in the middle of the lake that nobody else gets to see unless you stick it out. Unless you're in there at the fourth hour of the watch. The fourth hour and you're keeping on moving. And here's the deal. Do you realize that right in the middle of this lake, right in the middle of your circumstance, when all hell is breaking loose, there is a miracle that God has for you that will not only propel you, and, but it will cause you to step into the destiny that he's planned for you all along. He knows right where you are. He knows right what you're doing. You just got to make up your mind. But this is the place where people want to throw their oar down and say, uh-uh, I'm out of here. I'm going back. Oh, let me tell you something that's so profound, yet so simple. Do you realize that just one more push, just one more not giving in in the middle will take you one step closer to that next place, that next level of destiny God has for you. Now, here's your decision when you're in the middle. It's just as much distance one way or the other. But at some point, if you'll pick that oar back up and say, uh-uh, I don't care what it takes. This wasn't, and I spoke to you the last time I was here and said, God had said to me, Renee, this isn't just a year of breakthrough. This is a year of follow through. This is a year of follow through. And there is anointing on the people of God to pick their oars back up and say, if I can just give it one more push, if I'll be closer to this side than I am to that side, and then I know I can make it because it's just a few more pushes then and a few more pushes and a few more and I will get to where he has had for me all along. But he never left me in the middle. Now, he walked on, on the water. He didn't jump over in the boat. But let me show you what he did say. And I love this part. If you decide to follow Jesus, you get this. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost. You know why? Because they've been out in the middle so long and hadn't been following him. They can't even remember what he looks like. They can't remember his identity because they kind of been up and down doing their own thing out here in the middle. Y'all know what I mean? Kind of uh, left the oars for a while, got flung back, the winds against them, the boat almost turning over. But something inside of them says, I got to pick my oars back up. Now watch what he says. And then, for they all saw him and they were terrified. But he immediately said to them this. This is what I love. I love, I'm jumping ahead because I want to finish right now. And the musicians can come. But here's what Jesus said that I love. He said, take courage. Take courage. He didn't, buy any, he didn't get in the boat. It wasn't any. He just said, take courage. And this is what I want to say to every single one of you. 
instead of finding yourself in the middle of your situation where you want to give up, you're stuck, you can't really see Jesus in the middle of it. But there is a cry. There is a release in the spirit right now to the people of God. Take courage. That means it's yours. Take it. Now, who is going to somebody give you a $1,000 and say, take it? Are you going to leave it? Sitting there, are you going to take it? Take courage, he said. Take courage. And I want to say to those of you that feel like you've been drowning in your finances and you're stuck out here in the middle, take courage. There is something happening. Understand that right in the middle of this lake, God can do a miracle for you that will change your life, the rest of your life, and your grandparents. I know uh, in every gospel we see this account because they wanted, Jesus wanted us to see something. That in life you're going to get stuck in the middle at times. But you got to know that he don't just do miracles over here or over here. He does a miracle right in the midst. Right in the middle of the lake, he comes walking on the water. We see, uh, look, we see his water walking skills. And 12 men saw him. Nobody else ever saw him. Only those that said, we'll trust you. We'll follow you. And he said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Take courage. This is, this is not even part of my message or in my notes, but I just from the Lord just put something in my spirit. And I remember reading a story about this from, from Alexandria the Great. I, I'm a historian, and I love to read about great leaders. He had conquered the known world. He had conquered, he was angry and he sat down. He was, he was very bitter because he had done everything he knew to do. And he was upset and depressed because he conquered everything that could be conquered. But finally there was, there were, he had sent out and he's ridden ahead of all of his great fighters. And he's on his great stallion and he'd ride out in front of them. Very courageous leader, Alexander the Great was courageous. And at this point, history tells us that he had this great, great, huge throne room. And at the end of a battle, they would bring soldiers in front of him. And they would say, this one is this. And he would judge them, each of them. And this one did this, and this one did this. And he would give them their sentence. They brought this one in, this, this particular day. And he's sitting on his throne. He's sitting up there ready to judge the great Alexander the Great. And something inside of him began to be stirred because he saw all these people pass through. He placed judgment and tell them what they did and either affirm or, or, or cause them to have a sentence. They brought this young man in that was absolutely handsome to look at. The history says, blue-eyed from Macedonia, this young guy they brought in. They threw him in front of him and said, this guy, he left, they, they, he looked wonderful. And so, and so Alexander, when, when, the, when the people all in the balcony saw him, in their minds, they're thinking, oh, it was total silence, history says, because they knew what the boy had done. Alexander doesn't know yet what they had done. They're holding their breath, and Alexander is just praising him. 
and putting all kind of compliments on him. Then he gets the word in his hand. Because what he had done was he had left all of his fellow soldiers in the trenches and he had tucked tail and run and nobody found him to the end. He left the battle. So here's Alexander the Great. He gets up and he says, young man, what is your name? And he said, oh, and he stands up straight now because he's so proud to say, Alexander, my king. And he looked at him and, the, and history says he pushed back, got up, pushed back his throne. It rolled across that big throne room. And he stood up and looked him in the eye and he said at that moment, he said, change your conduct or change your name. And just a moment ago, I haven't read that in years. There's something inside of me that said, Renee, I said, take courage. This is your time to get your oar back in the water. And are you even worthy to be my follower? Don't call yourself a Renee Christian unless you can look like I look. And you can trust me in the tough times. You can't just have my name and not have my character. There's Christianity that has fallen by the wayside. Because now there's no black or white in Christianity, ladies and gentlemen. It's all tolerance and a gray middle somewhere. But I'm telling you, in the middle, there is still character to be born. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, if you're going to call yourself a follower, this is the time to allow the character of the one you're following to be the pilot and bring you to the other side. This is the time to take courage. I want to speak that into every life as you're standing right now. I want to speak that into every marriage that's gotten stuck in the middle. Every person who's in a financial crunch right now, get your oar back out and say, I'm going to take courage. My name is Renee Christian Jesus. Yes, it is. And I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow my leader. I'm going to follow the one that has placed in me the character and the courage. And he paid for it in full. And now he's handed it to me and said, look, take courage. Don't be afraid. I am here. I am with you. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. You just at times got to pick up his character and start keeping on going. So in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you right now for every person in here that has somehow gotten stuck in the middle. Somehow the winds have been against them so strongly that they can't even seemingly find their way or get their head back up before the wind throws them to the other side. But I decree and declare by the Spirit of God that inside of them, that well of living water, spring up a well inside of every person here. I thank you, Jesus, that you're standing up inside of every person in this house today and giving them the courage, and they are taking it. It's one thing for Lord Jesus, you to give it to us. It's another thing for us to take it. 
So in the name of Jesus, I thank you that we're doing that today. I need you to do something with me as just a sign, a gesture of agreement. I want you to reach out your hand and get some courage. Put your hand around it. Get your hand tight, your fingers around it. Bring it up close to you. And take that courage into your heart and declare that I am a follower. I have decided to follow Jesus. And I'm not turning back. Because if I turn back, I got to go back to all the junk. I got to start all over. I got to go right back through all the junk I've been through. But if I'll just take one more push, I'll be closer to this side. I'll be closer to the destiny. I'll be closer to that, at least that next level that will lead me to the place he has for me. So I thank you right now, Father, that you are releasing courage into every man, woman, boy, or girl. And I want us to sing this old song right now together. And Pastor Ryan's going to get ready to come. But I want to make a declaration in my heart. I, I, I will tell you, and I'll make myself very vulnerable right now. Personally, I have faced one of the, the darkest trials I've ever faced in my life. And in this middle, in this middle of my life, I am having to make a declaration. One, I've said, devil, listen up, ladies. You have stolen some things from us. You have entered in through maybe some bad choices, some bad situations, all of those above things. But I want you to know there's one thing that's my portion, and you ain't going to get. That's my happy. You're not going to get my happy. I might be going down almost for the last time, but I'm getting up and taking my courage, and I am making a decision. I made it years ago, but I'm recommitting. I have decided to follow Jesus. Sing it with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No go with me still I will follow and if the whole known world and all of your religious friends tell you it's okay but you know you're not following him though not go with me still I will follow though not go with me still I will follow no turning back. We ain't got time for that. No turning back. Can you say that with me? I'm going to ask you if you're one of those right now. I usually do this for Pastor Ryan, but I, I'm going to ask you if you're one of those that said, I got stuck in the middle, Pastor Renee, and I need to recommit again that I'm going to keep. I'm going to pick my paddle back up and I'm going to follow Jesus. I want you to get down here right now because I sense a miracle in the middle of your lake. If there's any of you that said, I got stuck in the middle for a while, but I am determined I'm going to keep oaring, then get down here with me. 
We're going to make a declaration in the spirit. I believe God is going to show up in your behalf. And there's some things that's going to happen in you that you would never have seen if you stayed on the shore over there. If you just just done the, the, the what it was that was not that next step, but just kind of stay right there. I can tell you this. If you're really going to go where you're going to go, you got to get in the boat. You got to do life. It just happens. Life happens, ladies and gentlemen. But it's these people, not just, I don't mean that you don't receive it because some of you obviously haven't gotten stuck. I, I, I can tell you I have many times been out in the middle. And I thought he should have come by the first watch. And at least, bless God, by the second, somebody should have showed up from the church. And bless God, at least by the third, they should have sent a meal over here to me by now. But it was 3 o'clock in the morning before he showed up. But somehow still had the oar in my hand. And I believe the Spirit of the Lord is going to cause you to be the same.